Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the sanctifying work of God's Holy Word. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I pray that it is treating you well so far, and as we come to this time, uh, this is going to be a special episode in a way, because this was actually a study that was taken from a Sunday school class, and I really enjoyed it tremendously. Psalm 73 is full of rich truth for our lives. It gives us a look at some practical things that we go through still today. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. So, if you look at the top of your Bibles on Psalm 73, it says a psalm from Asaph. And you're probably wondering what that word means. In reality, it's not actually a word. It's a name. So Asaph was a Levite that King David assigned as a worship leader in the Tabernacle Choir. He was a skilled singer and poet. And he's also mentioned in Chronicles about being a seer or prophet. So that's just a little bit of a background as to who he is. And now we're going to turn to Psalm 73. And we're really going to dig in and see what the Lord has in store for us today. Now... Before we begin, here is what I want to say about the kind of the overall theme about this psalm today. It's always focus on God. Always. Through the thick and thin, always remember God. So with that, let's go ahead and read the first verse. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now the question is, actually it's really found in Proverbs 29. It says, Who can say I have cleansed my heart? I am pure from my sin. And who are the pure in heart? Those that are pure in heart are those whose hearts have been sprinkled clean by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ through faith. And before Christ, we had no righteousness within ourselves whatsoever. Our good deeds were like filthy rags to God. And so, it's really important here 
to know that that's what it's talking about. Those who are pure in heart. Verse 2, but as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. Why? Verse 3, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Dear brothers and sisters, this is, without a doubt, one of the absolute biggest hiccups, slip-ups, stumbling blocks that a Christian can experience on this earth is that of being envious of the wicked. We look at them and we say, wow, look how much money they have. Look how blessed they are. Look, look what they have. He has a way better car than me. He has a way better job than me. His salary is double my salary. How can that be? I'm the one that actually serves God and I'm get, I get crumbs? What is going on here? Now notice he says, my foot almost slipped. And it's important to understand this, people, that everybody in the Bible that we read about slips. That doesn't give us free reign to say, oh, well, if Asaph and David and Paul, Peter, if they all slipped, well, why can't I? Well, that's not a, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not a I can sin however much I want because God is so good to forgive me. Do not take the Lord's goodness and his forgiveness of sins lightly because it costs Jesus his life. But that's the reality. The prosperity of the wicked, it does at times seem unfair and remember God causes the rain to fall on both the evil and the good because just like us at one point God drew us with his loving kindness that's how he draws us so while he still is so good to his children now in faith through his son Jesus Christ, he is also being good to those who are not his. So if God stops being good to those who are evil, how are they going to see the goodness of God? Why would they repent? And here's something, a little question to kind of turn the tables a little bit here. A lot of people say, why do evil men and evil things happen to good people? The question should be asked, why does a good, holy, righteous God allow evil to live? He allows people who absolutely hate him and his son, disregard everything he says to live, to be prosperous, to have families, children, 
all these wonderful blessings. Why? Because he is good. And he is a loving God. He's drawing them with his wonderful kindness. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Now let's look at verse 4. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, the garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness, the imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of the oppressed. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades throughout the earth. So I know I know we just read a lot right here. But let's go ahead and let's get through these several verses here. The the fact that Asaph is envious is not something that God wants us to be. And let me just say this, that people as a whole, it's very, very challenging not to be envious. It's especially hard for believers to not be envious of those who are thriving and they absolutely hate God. They're arrogant. They don't submit to God. And the reality is we sit here and we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, I have believed in you for 20, 30 years. And now all of a sudden, this person who doesn't go to church, doesn't read your word, doesn't pray to you, doesn't trust you, doesn't honor you, they're thriving? How does that work? And envy and arrogance are deadly sins. And I'll tell you right now, when envy comes, resentment of God quickly follows. Let me say that one more time. When envy comes, resentment of God quickly follows. Don't be envious of the people that are being blessed by God even though, though they have nothing to do with them. Because I'm going to tell you the truth here. I would much rather have a physical problem than a spiritual one. If I go through my whole entire life, never have to worry about money, never having to worry about any health crisis, never have to go through any type of illness, pain, whatever, and yet I get to the end of my life and Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. 
fun and games are over. It's not worth it. I could I could be at this uh I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's, it said like a white party. So basically everybody has white on. It's it white dresses, white suits, and it's all like these really really powerful celebrities. Singers, athletes, movie stars, I mean anybody and everybody was there. Everybody was like smoking cigars, had drinks in their hand. And so the truth is, people look at that and said, man, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be there. But in reality, it is a gathering of the unholy. And we're envious of that. Rather, we should be thrilled to be gathering with the saints. Because the church is a place where the broken and the sick come and get healed. And not the physical church building, but it's the object of whose faith we are in, and that is God. God heals. God restores. Now, is God going to take me from a person who is sick, ailing, and poor and turn me into a a healthy and wealthy individual? The odds are probably not. Because when you exalt yourself in those areas, guess what's going to happen? You're going to forget God. That's why... In your life, when you pray for certain things, and and you know, a lot of times we pray with wrong motives. We ask God for this, we ask Him for that, but it's all physical things. Yet we don't pray for spiritual things. That's why our prayers need to change and be sanctified as well. The more we mature spiritually, but what we do is we pray for those physical things and that's the end all be all of our prayer lives (laughs) but the reality is God is such a good father he knows what is going to take you away from him and he's going to say to you no son no daughter this is going to take you away from me but we don't see the end game we don't see the end of the race God does Nate if you If you get this, this is going to mess up 10 years of your life. Please stop asking me. And we ask and we ask and we ask. And you know what? (laughs) Sometimes God says, okay, all right. But Nate, this is what's going to happen. I don't care. I want it. (sighs) Okay. Remember in... 1 Samuel chapter 8, where Israel was begging for a physical king, begging and begging. And he says, okay, tell them that this is what this, tell them this is what the king's going to do if I give him to you. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. We don't care. 
We don't care. The blood will be on our hands. It's fine. Okay. Turns out, happened exactly how God said. And you're going to have a physical king rather than God Almighty as your king? That's how we are. <laughs> we don't want to submit to God. We don't want to give up our ways. We don't want to give up our sins. We want God to condone everything that we do. And I'm telling you right now, if you read his word, the answer to that is absolutely and resoundingly no. But we fight tooth and nail to try to get our way. And our ways are lower than God's ways. Yet it takes us sometimes a lifetime to repent and turn. So... Let's keep moving on with the study. Verse 10, Therefore his people return to this place, and the waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, How does God know? Is there knowledge with the Most High? Wow, what an arrogant question that is. Behold, these are the wicked. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning now with that let me just say this Asaph's concern was confusing he was very confused think about it the wicked thrive and the righteous suffer the wicked are prideful. They have enough to eat. They're arrogant. They mock the oppressed. Their mouths speak against heaven. And they're always at ease. And they increase in their wealth. So all these things are sometimes based on emotion. Asaph's emotional. Is that a problem? Sometimes. But right now, he's, just, he's trying to figure it out. I don't get it. But I want you to listen to verse 16. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't wrap around his head. I don't get this. This is, this is not right. It's not right. Then comes verse 17, ladies and gentlemen says, until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Surely, verse 18, you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakens... O oh Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get emotional, when we get frantic, when we get embittered, when we get angry, let us return to the sanctuary of God. He went in prayer. He took it to the Lord. 
And guess what? He perceived their end. The wicked will not thrive forever. Some people, their best life is now. You better enjoy this life on this earth while you can, O oh sinner, because in the end becomes nightmares, doom, destruction, and wrath for all eternity. But we should not look upon the sinners and scoff at them and saying, I know your end. This is where you're going to go. We need to be praying for them. We need to be begging them to repent because of what is to come. It is not a laughing matter. I don't care who it is. It could be your greatest adversary of all time. If you have hatred in your heart, if you could look at them and say, I can't wait for you to go to hell, uh, you have a heart problem. Because you cannot look upon the wicked and scoff and say, I can't wait for you to burn. Because had not the goodness of God been shown to us, had God not used a faithful servant to share the message, and we heard it and turned in faith, repented of our sins, put our trust and faith in Christ and submitted his lordship, we'd be in the same exact boat. We'd be outside the ark, ladies and gentlemen. The door is shut. It's too late. But praise be to God, we live in the time of grace. We live in the time of grace. And we need to extend that grace out to others. Because their end is coming. You know what? They're going to be cast down to destruction. They're going to be destroyed in a moment. A flash and a twinkling of an eye. And God is going to forget their form. He's going to despise their form. And listen to verse 21. Asaph gets really, he gets real here. Verse 21. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continuing with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. People, we stray sometimes. It's our natural way we stray. But I'm going to tell you, we must return to God. Why? Verse 24. With your counsel you guide me. And afterward receive me to glory. We talked about this last week. But in Psalm 119 it says, Teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. We need to be taught. And only humble people are, are taught by God. And listen, we need to get God's counsel. Have him guide us. How does that happen? Through his word. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? I mean, wow. Whom have I in heaven but you? That's it. And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. There's the key. There's the key. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. That's it. The key is God is your all in all. 
He is your everything. And in this, we see the heart of Asaph being turned and repenting back to where he knows what's right. And we talked about how he was a really talented poet and musician. He knew where the gift came from. The gift came from God, and he gave him praise. Did he slip up? He's close to it. He was really close to it. Now listen to the verse 26. And how, how is this us? It's us completely. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Is he the strength of your heart? Is he the strength of my heart? Verse 27, For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Brothers and sisters, friends, please listen to that. Those who are far from you will perish. You got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. Get as intimately close to Him as possible. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. So, the people that walk around with pride as their necklace, they mock the oppressed, they. They basically spit in the face of God with their horrible words, their attitudes towards Him. Destruction is theirs. And finally in verse 28, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell all of your works. We see in these 28 verses a story of confusion on how a believer sees the world that hates God and people that hate God mock him, mock his ways and his people and they still thrive. But you see that bitterness turn to repentance because the heart of God does not desire those things. And let me just tell you this right now. Those who are still listening, I appreciate you. It's a lot of patience here. Do not hang out in bitterness. Do not hang out there. God must be our portion. He must be our everything. And I'm going to quote this one last time because it's just, it's so true and so powerful. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. Let that be our hearts and our desires today. So when you see the world thriving, you see things maybe not going your way how you think, don't hang out in bitterness, but rather take it to God. Repent of that and bitterness. Trust in Him because He is your everything. And what is waiting for us? Glorification in heaven and being in the presence of the one who saved us. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. 
And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, for Christ. Until next time, God bless you all.